How are we doing, Rich Church? It's good to see you guys, man. Everybody out just braving the uh, weather and uh, not really much weather, but you, you made it here and uh, we're so glad that you're here because uh, you, could, uh, you could be at home another day and that's not good, right? So uh, I'm sure that you're, you're glad, glad to be here as, as much as we are uh, glad to, to have you here. I actually heard a story of uh, someone who, who took their kids in a sled for like a mile to get to their car to get here. So that's awesome. That's pretty awesome. That's, uh, that's pretty amazing. And so people that are listening to the podcast later this week, if you stayed home today, well, I'm just kidding. We love you too. We'll see you next week. Hey, um, if you have a Bible, let's uh, open it up to Luke chapter 12. We'll, uh, we'll get there in just a few minutes. We're actually finishing this series today called The Blessed Life. And um, if you haven't had a chance to, to listen to the first two messages in this series, I encourage you to go to ridgechurch.cc and, and listen to the podcast there. Or just look us up on iTunes, or uh, you can actually listen through uh, the um, mobile app that we have available as well. So uh, you can do that. But um, we're going to finish this series today. I'll tell you about the next series that we have coming up uh, starting next week as well, some other things uh, coming up here in just a little bit. But I, uh, a little bit of my background, I grew up in a... Uh, I say grew up, I didn't start really attending church until I was about eight years old, but from the time that I was eight until about uh, 12 or 13, uh, and, and really from, eight, well, let me back up, from the time I was eight till uh, about 18, I actually grew up in kind of a, a small country Southern Baptist church, which I'm, I'm very proud of, I'm very glad of, of my roots and, and what God did uh, with me there and, and and just in me, uh, in that place, and so very glad about that, uh, and a lot of times I make fun of the way that I grew up, because let's just be honest, there's a lot to make fun of, and so um, it's just funny sometimes, there's just some things that are just funny sometimes, but I, and, and I laugh about it, but to be honest with you, I'm very, very thankful for it, but uh, from the time I was eight until about 12 or 13 years old, uh, growing up, I had a pastor that was, maybe some of you can identify with this, it just seemed like every Sunday he was angry. You know what I'm talking about? Not like, not like you know, in the halls and, and walking around the halls or anything like that. He was like one of the most friendly men you would ever meet. He was an older man, so he was kind of like a, a grandpa kind of figure to me, you know. But when he got up to preach, it just seemed like he was angry because he was yelling all the time. All the time, just yelling, and then sometimes he would spit. And so if you were sitting on the front, let's say the front five rows, because this, this guy had some lungs on him, and so like, you know, you could get a bath, you know, and so it was, it was kind of crazy. And then he would do this thing where it just seemed like he needed some Robitussin because he was coughing, you know, all the time, and hacking, and you know, all this stuff. And so you got if, if you weren't really familiar with that, it could kind of, you know, throw you off a little bit. And for those of you who, who don't know anything about that, uh, turn it on channel 12 late at night. You'll probably see what I'm talking about, okay? But, but like, you'll just, it, it was just, just kind of weird sometimes, okay? And, and it just seemed like, man, it's like, hey, man, do you need a hug? Because, like, you just seem like you're really, really angry. And what, the thing that, that it seemed like he would get really, really angry about, but here, let me, let me clarify. He wasn't really angry. He was just excited. He was just excited. You know, and, and there are still pastors who, who preach that way today, and they're, they're not really angry. They just seem angry, but they're just really, really excited. But, but it seemed like he got a little more excited or what seemed to be a little more angry every time he talked about hell, right, and money. 
hell and money. And, and, and it would be those two things that he would get like really, you'd be like, oh man, like somebody better give this guy a hug because something gonna, bad's going to happen. It's going to be really, really bad. And, and, and so he would get really upset about those things. And it, let's, let's be honest. In the church, there are three things that make us really, really, really nervous to hear the pastor talk about when we come to church. The first one is sex, Right? Pastor starts talking about that, and everybody kind of gets a little nervous, right? Uh, the second thing would be hell, because you feel like you're going to get told that you're going to hell, and that's no fun. Nobody likes to hear that message. You know, it's like, hey, how was church today? It kind of stunk. You know, you're just kind of like Debbie Downer, you know, when you hear those messages. And then the third one is money, right? Like nobody likes to hear the money messages. And if you're new today, if this today is your first day here at the Ridge, we're so glad that you're here today. And I just want to tell you up front right now, today's message is not about money. So you can, t- you can take a side. Besides, we already took up the offering, so you're good. We're not going to ask you for any more money or anything like that. Actually, today, today is what I want to, to really just call a, a guilt-free message. It's a guilt-free message because what angry preacher does when he talks about hell and money is he makes you feel really guilty. And then they take up the offering at the end because everybody feels really guilty and they're like, okay, we'll take up the offering at the end. We'll get a little more like that. Well, we're not doing that today. Today is a guilt-free message. You can sit back and just let God do what God's going to do in your heart today. And what I want to do is I want you to understand what happens, what happens when you're a blessing to others. What happens when you're a blessing to others because you have first been blessed? When you're a blessing to others because you realize that you have first been blessed. And we said this last week. We said that the way to defeat greed in our life is by being generous. And if we're being honest, we can be greedy about a lot of things. It's not just money that we can be greedy about. I can be, and I don't know about you, but I have a tendency to be greedy with things that God has first blessed me with. He's blessed me with his love for me, but yet sometimes I tend to be greedy with my love toward others. He's blessed me with forgiveness of sin, but I can tend to be greedy with my sin because I hold on to my sin and not repent of my sin, therefore giving it over to him even though he has blessed me with forgiveness. And so I can tend to be greedy with things in my own life, but the way to defeat greed in our lives is by being generous or by being a blessing, giving it away. Because Jesus said in Acts, right, he said it's better to, it's better to what? better to give than it is to receive and so we've spent really the last several weeks just really drilling down into that concept and asking this question and asking you to wrestle with this question honestly is it really better to give than it is to receive not just money but is it better to give your love than to receive love is it better to to be generous toward others with what god has blessed you with than than to receive the blessing is it really better was jesus just crazy or was he really being honest when he said it's better to give than it is to receive i think that it is i think that it is god absolutely i believe this with all of my heart god absolutely wants to bless you he wants, to, he wants to bless you. And now, uh, understand, we'll talk about this here in just a few minutes. God wants to bless you in ways so much more than just monetary ways. Blessing has so much more to do than just money. There's a lot involved in blessing, and so we're going to unpack that a little bit today. Check this out, Luke chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 16. 
If you don't have a Bible, we want you to know that we have free ones that you're welcome to grab right outside of these uh, doors here to the right. Uh, that is called Ridge Central, and you're welcome to go out and grab one of those Bibles, or you can follow along on the screen back here behind me, or just uh, fire up your smartphone device and follow along there. Uh, if you decide to play Flappy Bird, turn the volume down. Okay, uh, let's go. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16, we're going to pick it up. Jesus is actually telling a, a parable here. And so when Jesus is t telling a parable, what he's doing is he's telling a story that is made up. He's telling a story that's made up. And what he's doing by telling a story that's made up is he is painting a visual picture for us to be able to see the point that he is trying to make. And Jesus is a really good storyteller, and so he t paints some really good pictures here. Luke 12, starting in verse 16, he tells this story. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, I know you ever do this, the guy's talking to himself. Anybody else ever do this? This is what he's doing. He says, Soul, it, I love this, he's just talking to himself. He says, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And so if you can see this picture in your mind, there's a, a man here who is already rich. Understand that this guy is already a rich man. This is not his first rodeo when it comes to having more than enough. He is already rich. And he says that he, this year he takes in a very large crop. And so he already has some barns, and typically those barns get pretty close to full, but this year the barns are going to be so overflowing with the crop that he is bringing in that he won't be able to hold everything that God has blessed him with. And so instead of going, I'm going to fill up the barns that I have, I'm going to fill them to the brim, I'm going to take what God has blessed me with, and then everything else over that, I'm going to be generous with it. I'm going to give it away. I'm going to do something good with it. No, no, no. Instead, I'm going to tear down my small barns. I'm going to build bigger barns so I can keep and hoard and hold on to everything else for myself. And God looks at this, and Jesus uses this as, as an example and says, you see, this one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So he paints a picture and says, why are you not being rich toward God when you have more than enough? You have everything you need. You have more than what you need. Therefore, you have something to give away because it is better to give than it is to receive. And so why do we have problems being generous out of what God has blessed us with? That's a pretty good question, isn't it? That's a question that I wrestle with myself and ask myself sometimes is why am I not generous with the things that, that God has blessed me with? I love what uh, Martin Luther wrote. He said this. He said, I've held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. 
Let me read it to you again. He says, I've held many things in my hands, and I've lost them all, but whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Martin Luther is painting a picture of what it means to be blessed, isn't he? He said, everything that I've put into the hands of God, God has blessed me back with. But everything that I've held on to for myself and hoarded and been greedy with, those are the things that I no longer have. Simply put, it's a matter of faith. While we are not generous with what God has blessed us with, we don't trust that God will provide. When we say that I'm going to be greedy, what we're saying is the things that I'm going to hold on with, the reason why I don't give them away, the reason why I'm not being generous, the reason why I won't bless others is because I don't really believe that God will provide if I give it away. We want to be the God of our own lives when we do that. But, but what if we were generous people? What if we realize we are really blessed, that, that God has our backs, that when we're going to bless others, when we're going to be a blessing to others, that, that God is going to be for us, and that God will bless us in more ways than we could imagine. And so I want to talk to you about today what happens when you're blessed to be a blessing, when you're blessed to be a blessing. And so I want to show you three things that happen when you bless others that are vitally important to us all in understanding the gospel. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, when you're a blessing to others, you fulfill your purpose and encounter God. When you're a blessing to others, you fulfill your purpose and you encounter God. Uh, how many of you are good at math? It's okay, be honest, be honest. How many of you just hate math? Okay, all right, more, there's more of us. I like you people, all right? We're, we're friends. I, I, I'm, number one, I, I was okay at math. I was okay at math until about, I don't know, maybe sixth or seventh grade until they uh, started inserting letters into this whole math thing. Let, let's just be honest. Letters have no place in math, right? Math is about numbers, not letters, all right? So, you know, then they started bringing these things in. And so we would have equations. How many of you uh, remember these equations? Uh, here's a really simple one that you probably remember. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Anybody remember that? Like you, some of you remember that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, math majors in the house. All right. So like, like that equation right there, I look at that equation. And even as I was preparing uh, for this message today, it makes my head hurt a little bit. Because I'm sitting, so now you've got to figure out what, what the letters are. But we're going to make it easy today. We're going we're gonna to define these for us, okay? And so we need to do some foundational things for us to, to get our heads around this. So here's the deal. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. A equals you were created in the image of God. We're going to define this equation here. And so if this is the equation, A equals that you and I were created in the image of God. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26, you don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screen behind me. Genesis chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 26. Let me get there real quick. It says this. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now understand that, that don't let that word us confuse you. God does not have a mouse in his pocket. He is talking about... He is talking about the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so the image of God means that you and I are imprinted with God's image. We are imprinted with God's image. If you are a believer, you are being made into more and more into the image of Christ. You are starting to take on his character. You are starting to take on his nature. Those things are becoming clearer to you. You're not quite there yet. None of us are until Jesus comes back or he takes us home. It's called the process of sanctification, big hairy church word that just means that we are being made into the image of God. And so we are taking those things on, but that image is imprinted within us. And so deep inside of us, we resemble God. Here at uh, the Ridge, we say, we say it like this. We say that we exist to be a reflection of the gospel. And that term, reflection of the gospel, is a picture of that, painting a picture that we are made into the image of God. And so Jesus, uh, his name, we see this in the beginning of the Gospels. It says that his name, he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Paul defines it like this in Colossians. He says that he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. And so there is a picture of the invisible God. There is a picture of who God is in Jesus. If you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know what his character and nature is, look at Jesus. And because you're a believer, because you have Christ in you, you following me? You tracking? You also take on the image of God. It is imprinted within you. And so if we're defining this equation, if A equals that you and I were created in the image of God, then B equals God is a blesser. God is a blesser. So let me ask you this. How many of you... um, how many of you feel blessed? You just feel blessed. Like you, you just you just feel blessed. A lot of us do. A lot of some of us some of us don't. That's okay. That, some of us don't. Um, God is a generous God. He's a generous God. John three sixteen says that for God so loved the world that He gave. We see so many times in Scripture where it says that God gives, that Jesus gives. And so I'm not sure what, what you give as, as gifts, but I'm pretty sure that, that you've not given a child away. And so uh, as a gift to someone. But yet here is, here is God saying, I'm giving my son so that you and I may have life. God is a giver. He is a blesser. God gave. And so we, you and I, are called to be generous because Christ set the standard for us in generosity. If you look at the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, in that you see a picture of generosity. It shows how blessed we really are. In the life of Christ, Jesus came to be a servant. It said, the scripture says that, that Jesus himself, he actually says, I have come to serve and not be served, right? So Jesus himself, his whole life was about serving, giving his life away. In his death, we see a picture of generosity because Jesus gave up his life. And in his resurrection, we see a picture of generosity 
because it's because of the resurrection that we have life. You and I are benefactors of his generosity as believers. And if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you can be a benefactor of that when you accept Jesus as Savior. And so there is no way, like we look at this, we see a picture of Jesus, we look at him, we see his generosity, we see God's generosity through his son, Christ, and all that he has given us. And listen, there is no possible way that you and I could ever outgive God. We could never outgive God. We could never outgive his generosity. We could never be more generous than God. I love what uh, Pastor Robert Morris says. He says this, he says, if you boil down the Bible to its simplest form, it would be that God gives. Isn't that true? That God gives. God gave his son, Jesus gave his life, and his life gives us life. Made in his image to be givers. So, let's put this ABC formula together. If A equals B and B equals C and A equals C, here's, here's the deal. If you and I were made in the image of God and God is generous, then there's something deep inside of you and I that is wired for generosity. Generosity is wired into our souls. It's wired deep inside of us to be a blessing to others. And so when you and I bless others, when we're generous toward others, we're fulfilling part of our purpose. And so it is, a, it, 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 it is completely biblical for us to bless others, to be a blessing to others. But we have to be very careful because I think sometimes our blessing of others or our generosity toward, toward others can have uh, bad motivations. You see, sometimes our, our generosity toward others can be motivated out of guilt. Like, uh, you, have you ever done that? You ever, you ever blessed somebody because you felt guilty about not blessing somebody? Or have you, have you ever been generous towards somebody? Have you ever, you ever uh, let, let, let's be real honest here. I know we're in church. We don't do this all the time. But let's be honest for a second. It, it, have you ever given to the church because you felt guilty because the person next to you put something in the basket? Huh? Yeah? Some of you are just honest. You're like, uh-uh, I just don't feel guilty. Just like, hey, that's your money. It's not mine. But like, like sometimes... Sometimes we do that. Like, like, so sometimes our generosity is motivated by guilt. But when our generosity, listen, when our generosity is motivated by purpose, when we're going, you know what, I'm going to be generous, I'm going to bless that person, I'm going to do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be generous this way, I'm going to bless this way because I want to fulfill the purpose for which God has implanted and imprinted upon my life. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. That is when you'll encounter God. When our generosity is motivated by purpose, not guilt. That's when we'll encounter God. So that's number one. Number two is this. When you bless others, God provides. When you're a blessing to others, God provides. We see this right here in Scripture. There's a connection between our generosity and God's blessing. Look at this. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says this. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now, this is Old Testament. It's talking about the tithe. If you don't know what the tithe is, that is 10% of 
what we have. And so in the Old Testament, what the tithe is actually talking about, it's actually talking about the crop. It's t- telling the, the farmers to bring 10% of the crop into the storehouse. But God is using it to paint a picture of what generosity is. And he says this, he says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Do you hear what God just said here? He says two things that are really, really, really important. He says, number one, he says, hey, test me. Try me. It's kind of like God is kind of like puffing up a little bit. He's like, come on, (laughs) what do you got? What do you got? He says, test me in this, try me in this. And then he says, if you will do this, I'm going to pour out my blessings on you. You see, some of us look at that and we say, no, 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 that's not true because I've done that. Like I, you know, I emptied out my bank account that one time and I never got a check back in the mail. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say, hey, you do this and I'll do this. You see, God is not a vending machine and he is not our pinata. You see, when, when it comes to, to blessings, sometimes we look at God as this pinata full of blessing candy. You know what I'm talking about? And our, our generosity is the stick that we hit the, the pinata with. We think, okay, if I do this, if I swing and I hit and I, I'm generous and I, and I do these things, then the blessing that God is going to rain down on me is going to be money. It's going to be that check. Listen, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. But he still blesses. We just have to focus our attention on him to see what the blessing really is. You see, sometimes when you're generous and you bless others, the blessing that you get is how you bless the person, what God does in their life out of your generosity. See, that's a blessing too. But many times we think, oh, no, I'm going to be looking for that check. You know, because some guy, you know, at 1 a.m. in the morning got on the TV and said, you need to empty out your bank account and send it to this address, and then when you do, God's going to bless you tenfold with a check come in the mail. Doesn't work that way. That's not the gospel. That's what we call prosperity. And the prosperity gospel says that God wants you to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. That's not necessarily true. God wants you to have joy. And you can have joy when you're poor. You can have joy when you're not healthy. And you can have joy when you're not happy. Joy is different from happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is lasting. So there's a big difference between those two things there. It's a dangerous theology to, to, to think that. And so, number two, when you bless others, God does provide. I absolutely believe that God provides. I've seen this happen in my own life. I've seen it happen in some of your lives. I, I've seen this happen with my own eyes. I'm not just making up preacher stories here just to, to get you to be generous and to bless others. I've seen it happen. And if you will test God, you will see it happen too. He says it will. And so if you believe what's here, 
then you'll see it happen too. You'll see it happen too. Test him. Try it. Number three is this. When you bless others, you partner with God. When you're a blessing to others, you partner with God. Being a, a blessing, especially in the context of the church here in Malachi, he says he calls it the, the storehouse. You get to be a part of something that is bigger than yourself. You get to be a part of something that is eternal. I, I love what, uh, is re- what Genesis 12:2 says, God speaking to Abraham as he sends Abraham out, says this, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, it's right before Abraham has his name changed to Abraham, from Abram. He says this, he says, Go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. That's 12.1. And then in 12.2 says this, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. You hear what God just said? He said, when you go, if you'll listen to my voice, do what I say, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a what? Blessing. He says, I, listen to what God says. He says, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. When you bless others, you partner with God. One of our uh, core values here at, at the Ridge is, is generosity. If you walk out of these halls here and you see that there's a big, uh, some words and writing on this big board outside the halls here on your way down to the cafe, and uh, one of the, those are our core values. We have seven core values here at the Ridge, and one of our core values is that we will impact the community. Uh, not only will we impact the community, but we will lead our community in generosity, And so we want this church to set a standard for what generosity and being a blessing looks like to our community, to lead the way. And when we do this and live this way, it puts skin in the game and shows the world where our treasure truly is. When we say that we're going to be a church that is a generous church, we we literally mean that. And so... Here at the Ridge, you get free coffee. That coffee, you know this, it costs money, right? But it's free because we want to be generous to you. When you go by Ridge Central, there's books out there. There's a lot of great books that you can grab out there, and we try to put new stuff out there all the time. You don't have to pay for that. That's free. We want you to have that. We give away tons of Bibles every single year. That stuff is free. And so there's a lot of things, not, that's just here in the context of here. That's not even counting what happens outside of here when you go. But what I'm saying is, is that there's a lot of generosity going through here. You're a part of that. You're part of the blessing. You're being, you, you have been blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. And so when you give money-wise, you're blessing others. But it doesn't stop there. Matthew 6.21 says that where your treasure is, there your heart will also be, right? That's what, that's what Jesus said. And so we talked about this a few weeks ago. And we asked the question, where is your treasure? More importantly, is Jesus your treasure? Because if Jesus is your treasure, then you'll be a blessing to others. You'll be a blessing to others. This is where I want our heart to be as a church. I want our heart to always be about being a blessing to others. I love this morning, I kept saying it over and over again to people outside because this morning around 8.30 or 9 o'clock, people got here 
to clear out the parking lot so that you guys wouldn't slip and break a tailbone because that'd stink, right? That'd be really bad for everybody. And so they cleared the parking lot off. They cleared the sidewalk off out there where you park. They cleared the parking lot out here. And they, I mean, Rusty even got out there and got to play with the blowtorch for crying out loud. I mean, that's, that's, number one, that's fun for him, okay? He just likes to have fun. But I kept saying this. I was like, hey, this is awesome. You guys are being a blessing to bless others. And they were like, yeah, you know, there's like sweating, you know, through the clothes. Like nobody thought about it much or anything like that. But that's, that's what was happening. That's what was taking place. And that's what I, I want our heart to always be there, to always be looking to how we can be a blessing so that we can bless others. People showing up here many nights of the week, whether it be Tuesday night through recovery, whether it be Wednesday night with student group, whether it be kids down in kids ministry right now uh, giving up their, their time uh, to be up here with us so they can serve our kids downstairs, whether it be our uh, coffee workers getting here early every Sunday to make coffee. or yeah, I mean, there's just so much. There's just so much. Our band getting here early. I think about Metropolitan Tabernacle in London during the 1850s when I think about what it means to, to be a blessing, to bless others, to be a church that leads the community in generosity. Metropolitan Tabernacle in London during the uh, 1800s, 1850s and, and on was uh, the church that uh, was pastored by Charles Spurgeon. And there were more people um, in London during the Industrial Revolution. There were more people that began to, to move away from the city. And, and, and they, would, they would move away from the city uh, because, I mean, the churches would actually move away from the city because the, the city was being overrun. The city was, was being populated. And in the city, as more people became, became, uh, became come to the city, as they would come into the city, what would happen is, is that the population of the poor and the population of the orphans began to get out of control. And so churches in the city moved out of the city to get away from that. Because there is, there, there is no return in ministry to the poor and to the orphans. But Metropolitan Tabernacle, they actually moved into the city so that they could be a blessing to bless others. And so this was written about the tabernacle and how they stepped up to be a blessing. It says this, it says, They built over a dozen low-income housing residences where people could come to get on their feet until they could find a job. Their church, people just like you, did this. They built, they built 17 fully funded homes for the elderly. Back then, there was no social security. If you didn't have a family to take care of you, there wasn't anything else. They built these homes where they could come and take, to be taken care of so that they could die with dignity. The church, people just like you, raised their hand and said they would do whatever it took. They built an orphanage where they housed, clothed, and educated 400 orphans. They changed the city of London to the point that it was said of the Metropolitan Tabernacle that had they closed their doors during that time and decided to move out to the suburbs, the city of London would have grieved. That's where I want our heart to be as a church. To do whatever it takes, whenever it takes. And listen, you guys showing up here today, you did whatever it takes. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about that. But it doesn't stop there. 
this is just showing up to church. I'm talking about being a blessing to bless others in your workplace, the places where you play, places where you do life, in your homes, in your schools. So we're at the end of the message, and, and this is the part where if I was an angry preacher, I'd just lay some guilt on you, and then we'd take up an offering. But um, since I'm not an angry preacher, I'm not going to do that. And so instead of a challenge this week, instead of challenging you to, to step up, I think from the context of the message, you'll find the challenge that God is challenging you, you with there. So instead of doing that this week, I, I just simply want to say thank you. For those of you that have ever given anything to this church, whether it be a dollar or a thousand dollars, thank you. It's your generosity that helps us impact the community with generosity. It's your generosity that allows us to be a blessing so that we can bless others. If you are someone who serves here at the Ridge, whether you serve once a month or every single week or regardless of what you do, if you're back in the back pushing buttons or you're standing out in the cold shaking hands and saying hi or you're holding and praying over babies, working with students, doing things that never get any thanks here at the Ridge. Ah, thank you. It's your generosity. It's you being a blessing so that you can bless others. Listen, some of you have no idea how you have impacted and blessed others by you just serving and giving of your time. You're being generous with your time. You're being generous with your resources, and that is blessing others. And so thank you for that. Thank you for positioning yourself for God's blessing. There are so many of you that, that realize that, that God has blessed you with something, whether he has blessed you with a resource, whether he has blessed you with extra time, whether he has blessed you with a talent or ability, You've recognized that, and so you're using that. Thank you. And maybe you're not necessarily using it in the context of here at the Ridge. Maybe you're using it in your home. Maybe you're using it somewhere else where you work, play, where you do life. If you're being a blessing to others, thank you. You're impacting the community. And instead of giving the church a black eye you're allowing the glory of God to shine on his bride because you are his bride and so thank you I believe with all of my heart that God is not done yet I believe that that the best days of the ridge have yet to happen I believe that the best days of the bride of Christ have yet to happen, his church. And I don't mean just this church, I mean the big C church. I mean Royce Baptist, I mean Calvary Baptist, I mean Ridgepoint, I mean Faith Promise, I mean all of the churches here in this area. I, I mean that the, the best days have yet to come. God is not done yet. And he's just getting, getting started and he's looking at ways that he can bless you so that you can bless others so that the glory of God continues to shine brightly upon his bride.